0: Welcome back to Wings with Friends. I am your host, Mary Epchurch, and we are here uh, with a wonderful comedian, James Hohenscheidt.
1: Hi. Thank How you for you? having me. I'm wonderful. I'm excited to be here. This is the best idea for a podcast ever.
0: Thank you for saying that, because I still wonder. I'm like, is this going to work?
1: If... I could offer one criticism.
0: Oh, here we go.
1: If maybe you could do, um, because you were very uh, generous, you supplied wings. Yes, I have to. It's called Wings with Friends. If you could do, like, massages with friends, (laughs) and if, like, you could pay a couple of masseuses to come in here, and, like, we could get down into our robes and (laughs) just lay, like, opposite each other on the tables, and we would just put the little microphone under the face thing. And if I could just get it like an hour long deep tissue massage and blocks, like eat disgust. wings at
0: the same time, yeah. Oh, I like that.
1: We w- you would need to also have some overhead of getting some assistance in here to, to feed us the wings, so there'd be the cost of the masseuses and the wings. And I
0: pictured my robe having just wing sauce all over it. Mm. Yeah, you you dream big, James.
1: Yeah, maybe like that's it. a thing. Is we could do that as like an after show. Like you could do that for the real. Like, if somebody really gives you something in that first hour, (laughs) then it could be like, you know, like your Patreon supporters or something. Now we'll have deep tissue massages with friends. (laughs) And then, yeah, we'll strip away our uh, sauce laden uh, terry cloth (laughs) bathrobes. And then we'll just drift off into Nirvana whilst uh, we're being massaged by some big Bulgarian dudes. And then naps with friends. Naps
0: with friends. We're going to have a
1: giant uh beanbag thing in yeah. and, and then we could just do like something where you suspend the the microphone from the ceiling we could just kind of lay there and drift off I like
0: thing. that uh yeah. I, at first I was a little nervous I'm like do I have to be the one massaging but then when you suggested dual masseurs then I was like oh yeah I can get behind that
1: Oh no, no we're like um I don't uh I don't look at a at a massage as like a like, sensual or sexual. Like, I want a hairy Bulgarian dude that can <laughs> yeah. really yeah. get that fucking knot out of there. Like, some people think of, like, small, demure Asian women mm-hmm. that are going to walk around. Like, I want somebody that's... I want to hear cracking noises.
0: I got one of those cheap massages in New York when I was there this summer. And it was so cool. And I was so tired because we had been walking so much. I was, like, tired. They take me into this, it's like a curtain. You can see through the cracks. Craps? You can see through the cracks.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> was it not a clean place or you have an <laughs> a Freudian slip?
0: Why did I think a craps? I don't know. It was, you could see through the cracks. I didn't care. I was like, we're, you know, I'm doing this. She effed me up yeah. good. I heard cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I was just like, <laughs> the whole time. But after I was like, oh, yeah. No, and it's Sunday right now, and it's just, it's yeah.
1: Yeah, there was a, a girl in high school that I went to high school with. Her name was Sot, and uh, I should have married her because she had the strongest hands oh my God. of anyone that I, like any woman at least that I had ever met, and most men.
0: Was her nickname Altoid? She's curiously strong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it should have been. Yeah. I mean, but there was, I mean, she was nuts. Like, I mean, she would have... She was a good friend of mine, and I loved her to death, but saw it was crazy. She's still crazy to this day. Uh, So there would have been a lot of other issues, but uh, my wife, who I love, when she tries to She doesn't even try. I just tell her. I'm like, just don't.
0: Yeah, that kind of reminds me of my mom. My mom will just kind of like do this, like just hand back and forth. And I'm like, come on, put some love into it. Yeah. I get tricked by a lot of guys to give them a massage and they say they'll reciprocate and they don't. Then they just start putting their hands in places and I'm like, tricked again.
1: Yeah. You should really only fall for that once though. You know point. fool. Good fool me points. once, shame on me. Yeah. I've ran that uh <laughs> that I've game? ran that game a few times. That's
0: right up there with I just want to cuddle.
1: Yeah, that's another <laughs> one.
0: I keep falling for that. Yeah. What's the matter? Cuz I'm like, oh, that sounds nice.
1: Yeah. I uh when I was in uh, uh I've always been kind of stupid with women from <laughs> early and I could tell you some really Dumb stuff. My wife knows a, knows a few of these. Uh she was there for one of them, which was pretty awesome. Um, but uh I did that one time when I was in college. I was like, Yeah, let's just you know, let's just chill out. And we hadn't It was a You did this girl, to your wife? Oh no, a different it was girlfriend. A girlfriend. And uh and I started drifting off and she kind of started stung up to me like, What are you doing? Let's do you fucking lay still, please? I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> and uh and then so a friend of mine told me like two days later she was like, "What? What's your deal? What you want? Want to go to sleep? Kind of stupid.
0: Men are so simple, and I I need to remember that as I have problems with men. Yeah. I think I give them too much credit. And i you know, what I'm going to work on going forward is being really direct. And, and
1: listen, direct, oh, directness in 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 a in a woman. Oh. It'll drive you crazy. Oh. If you say something you actually mean. Oh.
0: If you just say, hey, I like you. That's
1: big points. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, that works. Man, I'm still kicking myself uh, over not taking a moment um, it, it, previously. So, so I'm, I'm replaying this. Um, I've never had the courage to make a first move. Uh, I think I'd like to do that before I die. And maybe just be more direct because I get all like – I try to say these funny things, and like, ooh, you know, and and they're just kind of scratching their head, like, what, who's, who's this girl?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but we'll, we can talk more about my singleness in a little bit, because okay. now I'm sad. Um, just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's
1: pick things back up.
0: <laughs> Boo. But, um, James, I'm so happy to have you here, and we had some fantastic wings from Buffalo Wild Wings, and um, we had Buffalo Wild Wings, what are you doing? Are you I calling just tried me to right call now? You. Yeah, because yeah. we're not talking right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: See, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Told you.
0: Told you, I was stupid. I'm gonna <laughs>
1: Facetime the person that I'm sitting in front of. I'm going millennial on this interview. Could you talk to me, James, and not your phone? But you're on my phone. I'm talking to you now.
0: <laughs> just, this
1: is great. Just
0: Facetime in right now. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm I'm glad you're here, though. We had some Buffalo Wild Wings, and you had... This episode will be the Chipotle Barbecue Dry Rub. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you pick that flavor?
1: Um, well, uh, I was recently introduced to the concept of dry rub, uh, which is... I usually I usually get very light sauce and wings, like, extra crispy, well done, because I don't like...
0: I forgot to order them extra crispy. That's I'm fine. Sorry. They were wonderful,
1: though. Okay. Uh but sauce really bothers me. I don't like sauce and
0: dirty hands.
1: Dirty hands and that tacky feeling. Mm-hmm. I hate that mm. that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sound. Um, and uh, and I also don't really like spicy food all that much. I like a little bit of spice, but mm-hmm. not too much. So the um, when I discovered those, the they taste almost like barbecue potato chips, and like then ways? it's kind of yeah, mm. well, they taste like a barbecue potato chip. Which is, uh, I don't eat barbecue potato chips a lot. I usually like plain potato chips. So sometimes, like when I eat barbecue potato chips, it's because I'm feeling crazy. Like mm-hmm. I'm like mm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. live out on the edge. So do you
0: eat them out of the bag or do you pour them in a bowl? I
1: eat them out of the bag. Kay. Yeah, but that bowl. That's that's another step. That's just, <laughs> that's stupid. Of course, there's other people eating out of that bag, but I just try to. I'm very good at compartmentalizing. Okay. I see. Uh, I see shades of gray. I'm just not black and white. So I just <laughs> figure. I'm like, oh, if, you know, I give a disease to somebody else. Somebody's gonna <laughs> give one to me.
0: That's your household. You guys are probably all sh- sharing the same germs.
1: Yeah, probably that. And I I know that when uh, when you were a pig and you are married to a clean freak, then you know that she's usually taking care of most (laughs) of that.
0: You're so lucky. It sounds like she's your better half. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of... I mean, uh, you know, she has to deal with uh, a lot worse for me than what I have to deal from with her. Yeah. Yes, I am uh, am a lucky guy. Uh, And you have kids. Yeah, I have one. I have a 17-year-old son. Oh, wow. Yeah, we did it one time, and... uh, and we were done when he was about two, and we got him out of diapers. We were like, well, that's it. No moss. So uh, that, and i he wound up being just like me, so I polluted the, I always say, I polluted the world with another James. Oh. So
0: my so, job
1: is done.
0: <laughs> that's not bad. I mean, one kid's nice. You can give him all your attention and resources, and yeah. just don't. Fuck that
1: up. We explained that, that to him when he was about five. <laughs> he was like, I want a little brother. I'm like, you know you're going to have to share your things. And he's like, never <laughs> mind. Don't worry about it.
0: Awesome. So you're also, um, you're a comedian. Is that how you, would you describe or label yeah. yourself? Yeah. Like a I don't like to,
1: I mean, I do other things, but I don't like to, you know, I'm a comedian, actor, writer, director, producer. Podcaster. Podcaster.
0: Um, how long have you been doing comedy?
1: Probably about 12 years, I guess. 10, 12 years, somewhere around there. You get to a point where you just quit counting, because it's depressing, because I should have had a sitcom by now, oh. so I'm just like, I don't really want to think about it. Longer than you.
0: <laughs> I, that is true. I've been doing yeah. comedy three years, so... Yeah. And I have a sitcom, so fuck you.
1: Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. You think Uh, I could be like a wacky neighbor that comes over? (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Um, I do not have a sitcom, but I'm just putting it out there. And I think sometimes in this podcast, I like to treat it like a vision board. Just put your hopes and dreams, and then they come true. Okay. A year ago, I, I didn't have a podcast, and I didn't think I wanted to do podcasting. Then I had an idea while I was eating wings. Yeah. And I was like, this could be a podcast. And my original idea was to work through the, the like, native New Yorker menu. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of realized people are picky, and, like, if it's your turn, you might not want Ugh. mango habanero.
1: I would be so pissed off if you asked me to do this podcast. You're like, by the way, the last five people took the good wings. Right. I'm going to need you to eat mango habanero. Yeah. Like, son of a bitch. I so like why not just make people happy, right.
0: you know, and give you what you want? And you chose um, Chipotle barbecue, and that's a dry rub, and you said you like that because you don't like dirty fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I chose – I kind of cheated, but then again, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Mm. Um, I just got buffalo dry rub, mm. and it was tasty, and I should have gotten them extra crispy. Do you like – is buffalo wild wings your favorite wing?
1: Uh, pretty much. I don't have one – that I would call my favorite wing. I mean, Buffalo Wild Wings usually uh, does a pretty decent job. Uh, so, no. And I'm not like a wing. My son likes wings a lot more than I do. I'm oh, like, really? That's his favorite place. So, by default, it's my favorite place because that's where we wind up going all the time.
0: Yeah. you kinda, I, I think those are memories that he'll look back on, like when we used to go to B-Dubs together or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, not really. Because he'll just remember staring at his phone while he ate. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, and (laughs) while I stared up at the television watching a hockey game, that's going to be his great memories of Buffalo Wild Wings.
0: Um, So, does your wife eat wings?
1: Yes. Cool. Yeah, both my wife and my son are more wing purists than I am. Oh. Yeah.
0: So, we were kind of talking a little bit about, like, I, I call this the wing constitution. Do you like drummies? Do you like flats? We know you like dry versus a wet sauce. Um, and then I have a couple more questions, but are you a drummy or a flat?
1: Flat, because my son is a drummy. So, uh, my wife and I wind up having to, uh, try to get as many of the flats out and then we can get a couple drummies that he doesn't eat at the end.
0: So that's so. that's your wing strategy. Yeah. I like that. That's Every love. once
1: in a while, they will order way too many. So I'll eat a drummy early and my wife will be like, what are you doing? Those are his. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we've got a hundred. So, we're going to be cool. He's going to have all the drummies that he needs. <laughs> like, I just ate one early. So, sorry.
0: Chill out. Yeah,
1: just kind of relax.
0: What do you think is, like, the perfect number of wings? Like, if you were going to sit down to eat some wings yourself, like, what's the perfect number?
1: Probably a dozen.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I just, that's, that's a uh, predetermined number that society tells us is good, but I'd have to agree with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think 10 is good, but I like to have the extra, and I like to sometimes be able to trade. Um, if, I, if I'm curious about somebody else's wings. I think yours has like 14. Oh. So it's, it's all A++ from here at Wings with Friends. Oh. We treat you right.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> do you that. do a ranch or a blue cheese? Ranch. Okay. Blue
1: cheese is vile. I don't know. Like blue cheese, you're done with me. <laughs> I don't understand how that flavor profile works, why people do that. That's disgusting. I try to be open-minded. <laughs> i can't tolerate blue cheese
0: <laughs> fair enough yeah do you do the veggies do you eat the veggies yeah
1: yeah just to out of try to get some sort of health and sustenance when i'm eating the wings i'll force myself to
0: a lot of people say that for the balance yeah i yeah i never thought about it that way i just like them okay like it's a it changes it up and it's an excuse to get more ranch or blue che- i eat blue cheese but um, i'm afraid to say that now mm-hmm. but it's an excuse to kind of get more dip.
1: Yeah, I learned that uh, that it's to cut the heat, mm. and I was kind of fascinated by that. I'm always uh, I'm always fascinated by when people like chefs like put flavors together and stuff. And uh, it's uh, my wife watches a lot of cooking shows, so I watch them.
0: How things uh, work vicariously together vicariously
1: through her. I'm like, oh yeah, that does work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, <laughs> sweet and salty. Yeah. Son of a bitch. So, yeah.
0: I've noticed as I've gotten older, my like I like flavors I didn't like a, a long time ago, like blue cheese, or even like like mustardy flavors I like a little bit more now. Mm. Well,
1: you gain a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You give them a little more savvy as you get older. Maybe. You know, your uh, your palate becomes more complex.
0: I wonder if there's, like, a really sad physiological reason. Like, your taste buds are dying, yeah. is what that is.
1: Yeah, when your dreams die, you like mustard. Yeah. Yeah. Mustard and blue cheese. Once you've given up on life, those are going to be your new flavors. You're like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been trying as hard lately, so <laughs> I guess they're right. They, they really know their shit over there at the uh, flavor lab.
0: <laughs> Do you... Um, and I kind of note, I peeked a little bit, but I didn't really kind of stare. But, like, do you clean your wing? Or Do you, do you like, really get the meat off? Or you just kind of, like, eat the good parts of your duck? I
1: kind of, wings not so much. But uh, seeing as the fair's in town, uh, when I get a turkey leg. You clean it? Oh, yeah. I'm always, like, like I brag about how clean I get <laughs> that bone. Like, yeah. I'm like, behold, look. And then, like, my kid tries to do it. I'm like, you're not even close.
0: I really pictured you just now in like a King Henry the Is that the one that they always show on movies? But anyways, in yeah. a costume with he the big. He was a tur- big one. Yeah. Yeah, I-, I can picture you playing that role. Yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> yeah. I used to have to when I was in a uh, when I was in college. I used to do a uh, monologue from Henry VIII. The oh really? Time. Yeah. <laughs> hmm hmm Yeah.
0: So you did theater in college?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got a degree. Nice. Yeah. BFA.
0: Wow. Theater
1: performance.
0: I wanted to do that, but I didn't.
1: No, yeah, you were smart.
0: Well, it worked out okay. Yeah. Um just kidding. I mean, I don't hmm.
1: There is a um there's a a book I'll get for you. It's a True and False by David Mamet. Ah. And if you read that, then you'll never go to theater school.
0: Okay. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. now. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I actually lost my drive in theater at the end of high school because I auditioned for every single show and I never made one until the like my senior year. And by then I was like, fuck this, I'm done. And uh, one teacher had started a speech and debate club or team. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that and I was able to enjoy like individual success. So I kind of went down that ro- mm-hmm. route um, and got away from theater, which I am glad I did. And it kind of, to me, mirrors what I did not that long ago. I was doing improv quit improv to do stand up because i think i'm a solo act. Yeah. I think i just uh, maybe i don't like working on a team.
1: Yeah. I mean i i think improv is important as a skill but like i don't i don't i shouldn't say i don't like improv.
0: It's not your jam.
1: Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Yeah, for people that like do improv. Yeah. Like, like it's got to you're going <laughs> to have to do something else. <laughs> just saying.
0: It's fair enough. Um, I like people who do it really well. Um, but yeah, but that,
1: that's just the thing, though, is that the percentage of people that do it really well is so small. I mean, what always bothers me, it drives me nuts. My son used to take improv classes. And, um, you know, improv games, that they teach you. Like, it's cool that they make, like, games and shows out of them, but they're actually exercises, and they're yeah. things that you're supposed to learn. And there are things that you're supposed to, uh, like, it's like it, there's, like, a lesson to it. And you're supposed to take that and apply it. And that's actually yeah.
0: what people
1: that are good at improv are actually doing. They're playing by the rules. And they have, you know, it's, and they're kind of like, it's like an athlete. Yeah. Like, you know, like, when you learn what the plays are, you're going to be a lot better as opposed to just dicking around and kind of making things up.
0: It's like working one muscle and then when you're in the game being able to use that muscle. Right. But not using that muscle independently or whatever. Right. I got you. I got you. It's just whatever. Fuck it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, because it, it, like, improv started out as, like, one particular exercise. That, yeah. Like, you know. There was this dude, Konstantin Stanislavsky who yeah. was like the like greatest Russian acting teacher, and that's kind of what he would do for improv. Like, when, like if you were playing a character, it would be like, what would your character do if you went out for coffee? What would your character do if you were stuck in an elevator? Oh. What would your character do if you were out on a boat? What would you would use these different things? Like, okay, well, I know what I would do when I was doing there, but what would this person do? Mm-hmm. And then that kind of begot... Like, that exercise of, like, one particular thing, like, you using that turned into improv. So, it's like, like, learn learn what you're supposed to be doing. And right. Just put dick in around mouth. <laughs> stupid Because it bugs the shit out Because I would go and see Christopher, like, th- four times. Who? My son, Christopher. Oh. I would go see him, like, four times, like, while I was taking his class. I'm like, these little shits are not learning anything. They are still denying every idea yeah. they're given. Every single one. Every single time. Can you maybe fix this?
0: Can you fix this?
1: I mean, you know, there's just some... Like, when I go and see his shows, like because he does shows at yeah. school, and when nobody projects, I'm like, how do you tolerate this? <laughs> I can't hear a damn thing any one of these kids or listen. Like, how is that just not the first thing that you teach them? Scream if you have to. I don't care how bad the acting is. I want to be able to hear it.
0: So my improv brain just took this to, like, the scene right now would be, like, Chris talking to his teammates, like, my dad has a BFA, we need to make sure we do this, or he's going to get pissed. Like... <laughs>
1: The kids don't listen. There's no, no, no. yeah.
0: It is a good activity for them. I taught improv uh, with that place for a couple years, and um, it was a good experience, but, yeah, I had to go solo. What are you working on now? Like, what projects? What are you excited about and Um, stuff like that?
1: Well, just uh, this next week, we are going to, I am writing a, uh, I've been working on a podcast called Is It Dark in Here? And we did, the, so the podcast is three people. It's myself, a comedian named Christopher Royer, and our, uh, our tech guru slash comic, uh, Nolan Ross. And probably about two years ago, Nolan put out on Facebook that he wanted to have a show at his house. And he like has like a, just kind, of, kind of like this. It's a little more open floor plan, but mm-hmm. he has like a little stage that he puts in the corner. And he put a thing out, and he was like, hey, uh, I want comics to come to my house and do material that you think is too dark to do on stage. And, um, and it was a really cool experience because everybody got there, and like, um, like you're friends with Genevieve Rice. Mm-hmm. And um, she got up, and, um, and she did a joke, and she was like, well, and she's spoken about this on Facebook, so I don't feel... Bad about repeating this out there. And if you get mad, Genevieve, I'm sorry. Um, But she was basically, she got up on stage, and she was like, you know, we're doing Is It Dark in Here? And I didn't think I'd have anything to talk about, but I had my second miscarriage last week. So good news. And everybody just laughed. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was funny, and like when you say things like that in a comedy club, so many people are like, oh, right, and mm, and uh, so it's uh, just honest. Yeah, it's just honest, and it's talking about like dark subject yeah. matter.
0: Sounds like a speakeasy of comedy.
1: Kind of, yeah, but I mean, I just. It was so nice to just be able to talk about these things, and then me and Christopher uh, were talking about Christopher Royer. I'm gonna call him Royer because my son's Christopher, okay. so I have to call him Royer all the time. Uh, so me and Royer were talking about a year later, and we're like, "I want to do a podcast. I want to do something. You know, let's start looking at a way to sort of try to monetize uh, our." comedy career because you know I don't really have the patience to sit around and kiss people's ass at the improv and stand up live to get booked and I think like I'm too I'm probably too experienced now to open so you know they don't you know comics when they're traveling through they usually bring their own features And, um, you know, a couple of local comics who are my friends have a really successful podcast, uh, Crime and Sports and Small Town Murder now. And we were looking at Royer, and I'm like, you know, we should do a podcast together. And then I said to him, I was like, you know, I was thinking, my favorite show that I did last year was Is It Dark in Here? And Christopher was on that same show. He Uh. showed up like two days after, I think he had his appendix out or something like that, Mm -hmm. or he had like a hernia operation so he was hobbling around and his ex-wife was with him and she was all pissed off because he was dumb and left the house like <laughs> while he was in pain and I was just like that was my favorite show that I did because yeah. it was honest and we talked about uh, you know d- topics that you know that were were dark and disturbing and we made them funny and that's what we try to do on the podcast um, it's kind of a mix of a traditional podcast where we kind of talk about things and then we also do sketches and, um, and the uh, – Do you do
0: sketches on the podcast or mm-hmm. is that so, – so it's more of like a like a uh, uh, verbal sketch? Well, it's
1: like a com- – I mean, the other thing that I was inspired by to kind of do it is comedy albums. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're about the same age, so I don't know if your parents ever listen to comedy albums, but my dad would listen to comedy albums. Also, mm-hmm. like he would listen to Cheech and Chong, and he would listen to Fireside and uh, Monty Python and stuff like that. So,
0: like, I see that the, is neat.
1: The comedy album used to be like a major way that you you did these things. And I mean, it was you know, it's like an audio play, and it's a different. You know, I've learned that you have to write things differently to make them visual when you're just doing the sound, but, I mean, podcasting is so big now that, you know, so many people listen to it. So I thought, well, that might be another avenue to kind of bring that back. And Nolan is an amazing sound engineer. Mm-hmm. He, is, and he was used to be a studio musician, so oh, he wow. writes some music, original music for the podcast. Um, he writes jingles, so we do game shows and commercials. Cool. And, um, you know, he layers. Um, we do... An episode about um, a Pakistani wedding because I watched a documentary about honor killings. Oh wow! And I don't know if That's you dark. know how horrible yeah. honor killings are, but horrible. there was um, there is a uh, there's a documentary and I forget the name of it. I wish I could remember. It was on HBO. It's probably about 45 minutes long. It's about a girl that was involved in an attempted at honor killing. And her, husband, her family was trying to get her to marry this guy. Well, she was in love with the other guy, so she kind of told her dad. She's like, well, you know, I, I love this other guy. I want to be with him. And the dad was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, let's take a little walk down to the river with your uncle. Oh, my god! So they shot her, threw her in the river. Um, she managed to float down to the shore, and somebody drug her out. Uh, she was completely disowned. By her family. She has to live with her boyfriend and her family now. So the father and uncle were arrested. But according to Pakistani law, if she were to forgive her father and uncle for what they did and just realize it was actually her decision that made them shoot her and throw her into the river, uh, that everything would be cool.
0: And if she just, and
1: slowly throughout the film, her family and her loved ones and the general village around. Wear her down and pressure her into forgiving her uncle and father for this horrible assault. Ugh. And they're like, eh, okay, now we can all live happily ever after. And I'm like, this is the most asinine thing that I've ever heard of. So we did a, an episode about Pakistani weddings, and like it's basically there was another story that we had read about them about a woman that, um, that she was same thing pretty much the same story except she was like look here's the deal if you make me marry him i'm gonna kill him (laughs) like i'm just telling you now yeah if we do this i'm gonna kill this guy so she poisoned uh some milk that he was going to use (laughs)
0: okay
1: so i think he was kind of on to it so he's like hey i'm not drinking that milk (laughs) No. And she was probably offered it to him. She's like, honey, you want some milk? You thirsty? You thirsty? <laughs> no. I know there's something up with that. I'm not going to drink it. So this kind of left it. I don't know if they have a refrigerator over there. But the milk started to go bad. So uh, the mother-in-law. And that's prob- how
0: blue cheese is made. Yeah,
1: that, that's, that's why I don't like blue cheese. <laughs> uh, but the mother was like, hey, now that this uh, yogurt's going bad, I'll make a dessert out of it. And she wound up killing about 15 members of his family oh on the God. other side. Nice. Right. Because the nosy-ass mother-in-law used the milk that she just wanted to kill the one dude with.
0: Oh, wow. So, and then you did an episode about that? Yeah,
1: and we did an episode. So, anyway, there's an episode of a a wedding, and there's, like, drones flying by, and there's goats objecting to the wedding, and there's, like, live (laughs) music in the back. And what he does with the episodes is amazing, because they are just so filled with sound and little, like... Uh, little like Easter eggs in the back, and like callbacks to other episodes. Love it. When
0: does that, like that. that drop?
1: Um, so we are doing a premiere party. That's kind of that you are invited to. Oh,
0: thank you. I um, did. I was invited.
1: Uh, on October 13th, and then I think that we're going to drop something that week, if not the week thereafter. So did
0: I wrote down October, October?
1: It's the 13th. The 13th.
0: I might go there after. Uh, my gig at Comedy Off Main Street, opening for Carmen Morales. Which, so big up to Carmen
1: Morales. I love her. She's funny. We're not friends, personally, but she is... Uh, I don't know her She yet. gave me a very nice hug when oh. I did meet her.
0: I hope is, we will become friends.
1: She is. What's weird is you wouldn't think she was a hugger from really? her act, uh, but she is a very genuine... Like, she gave me and my wife, like, the biggest hug nice. after the show, because uh, we compliment her. She's very funny. If, well, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. I'm excited. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on. We're going to put that out. We have about four episodes done, and we have about five more written. And um, it's just a, ver- it's a very interesting process, uh, recording them and putting them out. And it has been challenging and, mm-hmm. uh, and rewarding. But I'm excited to put it out there because I, uh, I think it's really funny. I think it's not um, – I think it's, uh, it's original. I mean, it's, there's a kind of artistic concept behind it that we're really proud of.
0: Yeah, it sounds really interesting, but it also seems really smart, too, and so I'm... uh, Well, I mean, I
1: think that a lot of times when people talk about, like, dark subjects like that, I think that people um, just try to be um, mean or rude when they Mm -hmm. talk about it, or just try to be shocking. And um, I think we do a good job of taking shocking... Material and not being shocking about it, right? Like we are trying to actually find a funny angle to it. Like in the in the Pakistani uh, in the Pakistani thing, the people that pass the judgment on these things they're called jurgas. Mm. So it's not actual government law; it is like a group of town elders that get together and just have this like non-binding like trial. Yeah, and it's just like the town elders. I'm oh, like, that's, that's like the stupidest thing. And I was yeah. like, that would make a great T sh- like TV show. We should have the people's jerga. And then <laughs> so we do, <laughs> we do the people's jerga on the episode. So we have like, a, and I'm like, what would that be like if it were in America? So like, we just have like a redneck judge and oh, that's great. a guy disputing uh, the sale of his daughter for a goat. And,
0: it's oh, like, well, man. you know,
1: the daughter ran away. Well, I want my goat back. Well right. <laughs> doesn't work like that. All in the sales jerga. final. Yeah, all sales final. You should have tied her up like he tied up the goat. <laughs> oh she gosh. wouldn't have ran away. Oh man. So yeah. So anyway, it's it's been challenging and I think, you know, I'm I think I'm I'm proud of what we're doing. Well I know we're proud of what we're doing, and I'm just hoping that people like it when it comes out.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. And that's that's like the zone I'm in right now where it's like just do it. Do your art. If you have an idea, just do it. Yeah. And um, this is I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for that, and I think I'll I'll try to go to that. Um, you
1: should. We'll be up late, and if you're uh, if you're there late, then I'll make Nolan just play it for you again. <laughs> okay. We'll get you some headphones, and we'll sit you in the corner, and uh, I was like, you guys, we'll I just wanted a, b- wanted a beer. Yeah, we'll bring you beer, <laughs> and you can just sit in the corner while the rest of us talk about how great it was. You can just be like 40 minutes behind the party and just be like, I'm
0: catching up. You're like, get back in there, Mary. That part was funny. I just got to that. That's good. It's good. It's good. Keep listening. Um, That's great. Well, I'm really glad that you um, reached out to me and and I have you here because I don't know you very well. We've just done a couple of shows together. Mm -hmm. And I think, is it fair to say like if I didn't know you, I would be scared of you? Probably. Are, yeah. Like, could, did you say you have resting asshole face? Yeah. You do. I you do. do. So I was a little scared, but like probably the e- probably even the first or second time I was uh, in a show with you, you were really nice to me, and for me that's all it takes to, for me to like like somebody and like okay they're great because they're nice to me. Um, are you are you a friend to women uh, in comedy or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, Cause at first I thought I'm like oh no that guy. He, uh. I don't well, know. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't probably like one. That's what's funny is that you will probably like one. Um, oh yeah, um, one uh, like one out of ten people will probably be like James is like the nicest guy. I've like, said that. Just, I've heard that. Like you just don't know. Yeah. Like he is really like the nicest guy. So. I, I hear that a lot. So yeah. Okay. But so, female comics. I one, I sympathize for you guys because a lot of male comics are uh, pains in the ass. Uh, so we are hard to deal with. Um, but you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to tell you about that. I, I haven't I really don't. had
0: any issues. I don't think you
1: lucky, lucky woman. You.
0: I don't know why. Either yeah. nobody cares enough to harass me, or be I don't know, or. I mean, you say cares enough. You know what your
1: you know what your problem is. What is? Thank you. I'll tell you what your problem is. I'm ready for it. You are way too smart. You ooze like intelligence and self confidence. You just do.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh wow. Hold on. Hold on. Let me live in this for a moment. I'll take the confidence part. I've never been accused of being smart.
1: A, but it's, it's it's intelligence like self aware like you don't look like you're like a librarian like doing research
0: like I, I you, seen, look yeah. self-aware. you look very
1: self aware you look very like in the moment there's something happening behind those eyes of yours okay and you can kind of see that. thank
0: you so, yeah like not easy to fuck with in a right, way like I, I'm that, not gonna get away not, with it you
1: know you're not like you're not looking for like attention. Like, not in, like, a negative flirty kind of way, yeah. but, like, looking for attention, just, like, somebody talk to me. Yeah. Like, you know, is it is it, do you want to talk to me? Do you want to, does somebody want to ask me a question? Because I want to ask you a question. A, I don't, the first time that I ever met you, like, you were just kind of sitting at a bar, and you seemed very, just having, like, a very honest, kind of intelligent conversation with, I can't remember... Was it Dana Wisson you were talking to? Maybe. Was Maybe. it at Plasma? I was at Plasma. So I just oh, thought that my to myself. Plan worked. I was like, I was like, she seems like a very kind of genuine person. Thank so. you. That's so nice. The other thing is, is you're a little, you know, I, I kind of told you a magic number for me is twenty-five. For eight like years old? Twenty-five years old. I don't give a shit what anybody under twenty-five years old thinks. <laughs> I don't I don't want to hear from you. I don't, I was in a restaurant probably a couple months ago, and there was a young lady. She's very sweet, very nice, and she was just going on her opinion about, I can't even remember what it was. I shut it out, but she was just talking. I was just like, I wish you would just shut up. <laughs> so it like, doesn't just, have
0: anything to do with women or men. Oh it's just no, like Oh, no, I got a
1: 19-year-old kid that I work with that just, when he just talks about life, it's just like, but you shut up. <laughs> like, you don't know shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, you were so close to, you know, you were barely out of high school. Like, you don't, you don't know, and that, and I think of myself, like, when I think back to myself yeah. when I was 25, like I, just, like, I think I'm sharper than some people at 25, but i was dumb. I didn't know anything. So, that's a big thing. Like, I don't talk to, I don't talk to male you know, comics that are under 25. I try not to talk to male comics under 25 years, <laughs> but I do... For the female thing, I'm married, so there's usually not anything. It's not, like her, it's not like that person and I are going to have the same life experiences together. Sure. Like, we're not going to draw from the same well, so we're not going to have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. And if we had something to talk about, I probably wouldn't care what that person was saying so
0: that's really honest though. And I mean, I'm part of me that I'm like, well, you're not wrong. You know, I think there's some exceptions. Um, my roommate, she's 21 and I think she's fantastic, but it's people like her really, um, they give me hope for young people, but for the most part, you're yeah, right. Like for the most part. 25, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's just, and, and there's, and you know, I'm impressed every once in a while when I, you know, I remember like, about a week ago, I was at one of my school's plays, and there was a very nice young lady that he was in the play with. And your she's, son's school? Yeah, my son's school, and she's going off to college, and she seemed, you know, kind of have it together, and she was going to go in translation stuff. I'm like, you know, good on you, kid. But that five-minute conversation was enough. I'm yeah. like, yeah, we're <laughs> done now. You know what you're going to do with your future. It's, it's cool. Let's not talk about anything else. Just you know.
0: <laughs> I'll see you at the reunion. Yeah.
1: So, but the thing is, though, I mean, if somebody ever asked me for, which nobody ever asks me for help, really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm gonna start asking comedy, for help.
1: Well, I'll I'll answer the question. You know, I'm open. Um, but uh, but it, one nobody asks me for help, and if they do, if somebody's young, I will tell. But the other thing is, is like when young comics ask you for help, they usually don't like the answers. Right. You know, and it's like like people all the time. So. You know, I'm really good at act-outs on stage. When I do act-outs, people are usually kind of impressed by it. Well, that comes from the fact that, like, I was, you know, I went to school for it. I've acted for years and years and years. And I've, you know, tried it and tried it and tried it. And people will walk up and like, well, do you think I should take an acting class? I'm like, no, you should take a voice and diction class. (laughs) Learn how to speak. Good point. Learn how to enunciate your words and speak clearly to an audience. Don't worry about acting well because you mumble most of what you say right now, and they're just going. Hmm, <laughs> I don't want to take an acting or tell like you can be as funny as you want, but if you cannot enunciate what you're saying to a crowd, nobody's going to listen to you.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: and that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing I see with like young comics is this kind of thing. Like I'm too cool for the room. Yeah, and my wife uh, one time told me. She said. Uh, She goes, you know, if I'm sitting out in the audience and you don't give a shit about what you're saying, why should I?
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. So, Sometimes I think some people are just playing comic. They're kind of just doing the things that they see on TV and, um, like, taking some mannerisms of their favorite comics, maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's like... You know, in a lot of time, it's like, well, you know, so I'm working on my 15 minutes. Well, you can't do five, so you need to work on that five first. Like, you know, I could probably lift about maybe I if I bench press, I could probably bench press about 215, 230, maybe. So if I'm like, I want to lift a thousand pounds, I really need to concentrate. On just what I can do now, and not this lofty right, goal, right. like oh, I'm going to be knocking this out. It's like no, you you need to worry about doing. So when you tell young comics that, like you know, it just yeah, you know, it's like well, you know, what should I do? Should I take glasses? No, you should cut your hair, get your goddamn hair out of your face, so I can see your face when you talk. <laughs> you know, yeah. you should not wear sandals. Work on that first. You'll know, put some shoes on. Dress like you care. Yeah. When you come, work on these things first, and then. We'll work on this, uh, you know, this deep thought that you want to get into that you go through. So, Good point. Yeah, so usually, I mean, and that's the thing is like when it's, it's always kind of weird to me when I talk to, because you bring up, you know, female comics and, um, and you know, I try not to, I think, one, I do think there is a certain amount of misogyny in comedy, and I think it comes from men and women, because you see, there was um, the Bonnie McFarland. I think she did a she did a, a documentary called "Women Aren't Funny."
0: Oh, I haven't seen it.
1: It used to be on Netflix. If you can find it, sure, it's good. But I'll talk about this part. Then I'm going to talk about another part, which is my favorite part. of Okay. That. But she does a thing in the beginning where she walks around, and there are women that she interviews, and she's like, "Yeah, I just don't think women are funny." You know, so. And my wife, even sometimes, is like I just I just think men are are funnier. Like there are funny women out there, but I just think that men are funnier. So I think there is there's a misogyny out there mm-hmm. that is ingrained and in like a, a much bigger than just like like I just I don't like women. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think that like I always think when when a woman is doing. A female comic is doing, like, sexually explicit material. Like, I always think to myself sometimes, I'm like, you know, you're kind of better than that.
0: Mm.
1: Like Maybe, you know, do something that's not like you're trying to shock me. Right. But I also think of that of male comics, too. But I'm not really... I don't have a sense... I guess this is kind of sexist, but I don't have a sense of disappointment when young male comics do it I do kind of have a sense of disappointment when females do it
0: I mean that that is uh, the basis for the fact that women are judged harder in podcasting and comedy and they're judged on a harder scale and
1: I get you know that's so when if you're on the other side of that like I don't I guess I feel bad about it but I kind of don't because I'm like because I'm not like judging you in a harsh way. it's just kind of like not not you particular mm-hmm. but like I'm not judging females like in a harsh way but I am judging them differently which is not fair. Right. Um but that's just kind of kind of how I see it.
0: That's fair. I respect your opinion there and the insight is really valuable I think to 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 hear it from somebody. Um yeah, it's kind of
1: so in the wow. the other the other part of the movie that oh, I yeah. that I thought was great that I just I wish that uh, everyone would watch is she hired a makeup artist and the makeup artist was going to do her up to look like a male mm-hmm. and when she was in the chair she would just had this con- she's like I'm gonna fucking kill tonight. She's like, I've been unburdened mm. of this thing of being a woman. And I'm going to go out and I'm absolutely, And she was just excited. Like, nice. she's just like, I'm going to fucking kill tonight. And she went out and bombed. Oh. Like, ate it for 10 minutes. It was absolutely terrible. And her, she's married to Rich uh, Vox or Vaz. Rich uh-huh. Vaz. So I don't know if it's not Bonnie McFarlane, if that's not her name, it is Rich Vaz's wife. Because oh, I remember yeah. his name. And um and like she was just out on the stoops, like just bawling. She's like, I'm quitting comedy, I can't do this. Like nobody likes me. So what happened with that? Well, it's just not it's not easy for anybody.
0: Sure, okay. Is
1: the lesson that I got from it. Like yeah. it was like, well, this is a male dominated industry, and it's well, it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. It was really honest of her to put it in the film. Yeah. And I thought it was really, bra- it's a really brave film because she looks at a couple things and it's like, you know, I mean, anything when somebody puts out and they are questioning a belief that they have and then there's some of it's like, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think that's amazing and brave of somebody to do. But that's the thing is it's not, you know, when, it's, when you sit there and you're like, well, it's, it's easier for guys. Well, it's not. I mean, it, all of it's hard. And yeah. I, that's why I respect every comic a little bit for even trying to do it.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I always think, I've said this before, I did a panel of, um, it was women in the arts, and they had three women who were in fields that are traditionally dominated by men, and in the Q&A section, you know, we were talking about, you know, are men funny, are women funny, and I was, I guess this, I'm trying not to own this opinion, or say it 100% of the time, but sometimes I've thought this, I don't think anybody's funny. I think there are some people who are funny, <laughs> individuals are funny, um, but I, I don't think, you um, I don't think it's a gender thing it's uh, well and I don't
1: you know that's an interesting view because I kind of share the same thing um which is kind of which is counter to diversity um I don't like when people say well we need more women in comedy we mean more people of color in comedy like I always think to myself like well we need more funny people yeah in comedy and, you know, of these people that, you know, um, you know, like, I mean, you know, Richard Pryor, who is, you know, like one of the greatest of all time, like, if you think of how he could make, you know, people of, you know, whoever, you know, whatever your background is, you know, rich, poor, black, white, male, female, when you could bring people into your point of view and show him, yeah, I mean, he had a terrible... Terribly hard upbringing. His mom was a prostitute. He, you know, basically, you know, ran the streets when he was a kid, and you know, there were all these things that he put into his comedy. And I was like, well, you know, that's just a, that person's perspective. Like, regardless of color or what they're doing, and people of all colors can sit there and look at it. I had a friend, or a guy that started working that we've become, we've become friends. Um, but he he 's Hispanic, and he asked me he was like he always goes to um hispanic comedy shows, and he was asking me he was like you know he's basically he was like why do why do comics do that
0: mm-hmm.
1: like why do you just have like a female show or yeah. a Hispanic show or a black show and i'm like, well you know you're you know there is something to be said for um for uh, racial identity and, um, and sectionality. And, you know, when you're, uh, you know, it, black people have lived a black experience and Hispanics have lived a Hispanic experience. So you can sit there and a comic can sit there and share their experience with a like-minded group of people. And I think that's cool to do and that that's a place that that needs to be. But you also want to be able to take that same set and do it You know, a Hispanic comic should be able to go to a black room Mm -hmm. and do their set and vice versa, you know, a and I think that's, you know, if, you know, Richard Pryor did his set in a bunch of, in front of evangelical women, like he could tell his story, he would probably have to change his language, he'd probably change some words around, but the story would still be there and the humor would still be there. So I agree with your, your view of that, like I don't. I try not to see. Um, I try not to see that, but you do see people's perspective in things. Like I remember, um, have you ever seen the Hurt Locker? Yeah. So there was a female director for the Hurt yeah. Locker, right? And I remember watching the movie before I knew that I watched the movie after she had won the Oscar. Yeah. And I remember sitting. Catherine Bigelow. Yes. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself during the movie, like, why would a woman direct this movie? Like, I just don't... I, I don't see... the stamp in it from that side. Like, it, it just kind of... But then, when the end of the movie comes, and you realize that, you know, that he's there because he doesn't want to be home, and that we have a generation of men in this country that that feel that way, that they, they don't want to be in that domestic situation, that sort of that security of raising his kid mm. is not what he wants. He wants the thrill of being out there. So you realize it's not the countdown to when he gets to go home. It's the countdown to when he has to go home.
0: Wow. Here
1: he's happy. He's living in chaos. He can't when he goes back and he has to change diapers And he has to shop for cereal. He's just miserable. He's happier here in this chaos. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I get it. Like, that's the view where she's coming from. Because Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, my my wife worked with a woman whose husband had terrible PTSD. Mm -hmm. He served in Iraq. And she talked about that, of the... Idea, like, why can't he just be happy being home? Yeah. And he's like, he's not he's not there. It's not that he doesn't want to be there, but he's trained to be somewhere else. Like, that's just where his mind is. Like, he's just not... Here with you, he should, you know, kicked, you know, in a perfect He's he kicked in the doors. Like, finally, I'm home. I'm here. I'm ready to do this now. But he's just not there. This yet. Is some
0: deep shit, James.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, didn't think but,
0: about it like that. So
1: I sit there. I'm like, that's that's an awesome movie to have seen that from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And it becomes clear when you go through. So I, you do want to see other people's um, perspective in film, but you know, you also just want to see a good film or a good performance, right? So I always think that when I'm like, you know, it's like well we need to give, you know, we need more diversity in comedy. I'm like, ah, eh, we need more funny in comedy. Like I I would l- like when like Carmen who you are going to reform with, like her view on feminism is just like incredibly refreshing. Like she does, I I'm gonna paraphrase the joke, but she's like, you know, we uh, you know, we we want rights. It's like, but you know, but when I watch these uh, you know, women who kill men shows, <laughs> it's like, you know, they're taking it like a joke. We need to step this thing up. Like we need to be throwing. Where nobody's gonna give us anything. We need to start doing some crazy stuff around here. You know, and goes into that's like, you know, we're not. We're not nobody's gonna give it to us. We need to take it. And right. they're not taking us seriously enough. So and it's a great it's like hilarious. Like I was pissing in my pants laughing. Nice. But it's like that is such a fresh perspective. And yeah. it's funnier than shit. And she's talking about killing me.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think that makes the argument for having a diverse or inclusive um, palette. Because then you get to you get some of those refreshing points of views. Um you get some refreshing point of views and things you haven't thought of in mm-hmm. a way that, that way before. Um, I'm half Mexican and half white, and I always struggled with the fact that um, I always felt like, I'm just kind of realizing this now, I'm not white enough for, to hang out with the white kids, and I wasn't Mexican enough to hang out with the Mexican kids. So where do I fit in? Um, and some of my comedy comes from that perspective because it's, it's not white and Mexican. It's somewhere in the middle, and um, it's, it's a whole other thing.
1: Well, and I remember my dad said this. My wife is Hispanic, so my son is half Hispanic, mm-hmm. and my dad said that to me when I was a, when Christopher was just first born. He was like, "Oh, well, so
0: other people knew this before me?"
1: Hmm? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. I well, just figured that, it out. He had basically said he's like, "Well, he's not gonna have any friends. Do you want to be too white for Mexican kids, too Mexican for white kids," and I just thought that was the most ridiculous statement. I mean, think so stupid. Yeah. Like you know, he'll. You know he'll find his role in life and that, but I don't, I don't see, cause it's weird because that was just never, it was never an issue for us. But recently he was, um, he's getting ready to sign up for college,
0: nice.
1: and um, we went to, uh, we went to Phoenix College to sign him up because he's taking a math class, and he's typing on the computer and I'm sitting behind him. And he stops for a second, he looks up, he turns around, he goes, Dad, am I Mexican enough to be considered Hispanic? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you are. We're going to get all this scholarship money we can. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um,
0: Situational culture.
1: (laughs) But it's weird because it's something that, the other thing is, is being, you know, like I'm German and Irish, but I don't participate in any sort of culture. So I take for granted that my wife does want to expose him to some of her culture. Because, I mean, her being Hispanic, she was very very much more versed in her culture than I was in mine. Like, I don't speak German. I don't speak Irish. I will go to Irish bars to get drunk. But, like, (laughs) I don't. There's not, like, a favorite Irish meal to me. I probably couldn't name you a German dish. I don't eat anything. So there's nothing in my culture that I participate in. I basically just participate in the... Bland, blanket, Caucasian-American culture yeah. that I was growing up in. So it's always weird. It's I always do try to make an effort to, um, you know, but, I mean, it's not my job to expose him to his Hispanic culture. It's kind of my wife's <laughs> duty to do that. But it, it was always weird to me because, and, but there are things. It's like he loves his mom's rice and beans. Yeah. And you know Andy Steinberg?
0: Uh, I know who he is. Yeah. So
1: Andy is half Jewish and half Mexican. Oh, I didn't know that. And he was like, he was like, it's. He goes, that's the weirdest thing. He goes, whatever you are, you love your mom's rice and beans. Yeah. He's like, that's just something. He goes, I don't know what that is. He's like, but everybody who's got a Mexican mom. Thinks that their mom's rice and beans are the best. Oh yeah, mine. Beans
0: mine are the best in the world. Yeah, that's funny.
1: So it's it's interesting that and that and I I don't know. That's the other thing is that when you you know you kind of you know I ride the fence all, all the time on um, you know thinking that you know culture is no big deal and we should all kind of assimilate and get law and that. Identity is actually very important because as you diverse, as you bring in diversity and inclusion, you should bring in those pieces from each thing. So it, it's, it's interesting having a mixed-race child in that. But yeah. my wife is very uh, – she has her foot in the white world very much. Yeah. So she's not as – when she was growing up, she spoke very well. And she was really, she got good grades. She was always, so all of her family would always tell her that she was too white. Aww. Like, she was like, you're the white one in the family. <laughs> so, she would get that all the time. So, then when her and I, when, like, when Chris was around his cousins, they're like, yeah, he's pretty much white. Like, he's...
0: Like, yeah, we've lost I feel like, him to
1: the other team. I feel like
0: back then there wasn't a push of, like, we need to preserve your culture. We need to – it's, like, uh, everything I learned I feel like it was once I got older and once I, like, sought it out on my own.
1: So is your, your mom a Hispanic? My mom
0: is Mexican, and, like, she's really Mexican. Like, like most people can't understand her English. That's how Mexican And she
1: did she is. have a very large family?
0: We have a big family on her side, Does yeah. your
1: dad have a large family? Or yeah. Does? See, because that's kind of weird thing about me. My family is almost non-existent. Oh, okay. And my she has a reasonably large family. Yeah. She doesn't. Okay. Have what I would consider. I know people who have much larger sure. families than her. Um, but that's also kind of an interesting thing to me because of the the family dynamic and what I would have expected him to have gotten a lot more. Um of the Hispanic culture from his family than he did. It's kind of weird sure. to me where he's where he's at with that. But I also think that that's kind of the way, you know, as as the melting pot continues to melt, I also think that's kind of that and he's also gone to really white schools.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that really kind of hasn't helped either.
0: Um I
1: or hurt, I guess. Right. Yeah.
0: Is your wife pretty supportive of, of your comedy endeavors?
1: Eh, she doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of. I'm very disorganized, so like, there's a lot of. Oh shit, I forgot I got a show. And there's a lot of, you know, oh, it went long. Um, but she's, uh, she is supportive. It's I don't, I don't make it easy for her to be oh. supportive sometimes because I really am kind of disorganized a mm-hmm. lot and like you know today. You know, we did a podcast in the morning. I'm doing your podcast now. I got to help Royer record a show tonight, so it's a lot of busy and running around. And so she tries to be supportive, but uh, she's like, "I I need you here." Yeah.
0: Dang, go home.
1: Yeah, I make (laughs) it. I make it. I make it difficult for her to support me sometimes. But she is. I mean, she. That's the other thing. Is it's. I think it's very wearing. For somebody that's not a comedian to put up with a comedian.
0: Right, right.
1: Like
0: it, I don't know what that's like, but <laughs> it's just me.
1: Well, it's <laughs> just like, you know, it's like that thing. It's like, why does everybody, why does everything have to be a joke? Oh. Uh, because well, it does.
0: I was on, I was dating somebody and uh, he was like, why are you making fun of me? And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's just what I do. <laughs> like, stop being so stupid.
1: Yeah, I would think, <laughs> I would think it would be very. Uh, Maybe that's why I'm single. Well, it's probably intimidating for, well, we talked about the smart earlier. It's probably intimidating if like, you're, you know, if you're funnier than a man, I think that would be very intimidating to the man. Hmm. I think if he's not as witty as you are, I think that would be something. That's a big thing to try to get women to laugh. You know, that's one of the struggles for us. Oh, yeah. That's kind of like how
0: you know you're advancing things. Right. They're laughing. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And if he's trying to make you laugh and you're less like, that premise was shit. Well. Like, you got to
0: work on your punchline. (laughs) That's not. I tell you, going through my head right now was kind of like a whole, it it probably would have been a romantic comedy of me. Like, okay, let me not be myself to try to find the guy. But the answer is always, you just got to be yourself. So somebody meets you kind of right where you're at. And then you walk forward together. Yeah, which I've been i been saying a lot lately. I
1: always say that when people like when you know when that advice of just be yourself. That's not always the best advice for everybody. You'd be okay being <laughs> yourself. There's some people that mm,
0: well, you in want one to be respect, it's working okay for me. But in the relationship part, it's it's not, and that's okay though because I, I I like my life. Um, and and when the right person comes along, like I don't want to settle, you know, so. What's the best thing that's happened to you in comedy? What's like your favorite thing? Just like, James won.
1: I probably, after I was doing comedy, probably for about a year and a half, I won a comedy contest. Oh, which one? Uh, it was way before your time. <laughs> it was called Comedy Slam Fest. It was the initial Comedy Slam Fest. Where and, was that at? Um. It was at a bar that used to be called the Sets that was over on where Monkey Pants is on okay. Southern and Mill. Yeah, it was like Caddy. It's where the the uh, uh, L A. Fitness is now. Okay, that used to be like a giant like performance area bar. And um, you won the
0: whole thing. What I won was the, the prize? whole
1: thing. A thousand dollars. What? Yeah, it was a thousand dollars, and it was all in one dollar bills. I got a suitcase full of $1 bills, and a professional wrestler escorted me out to my car afterwards to make sure that I wasn't rolled in the parking lot. Wow. And I had to drive and go to work, yeah. which was awesome. I, was like, I went from like the highest high to, like, yeah, I'm going to go back to work now. Oh. And I didn't know anybody. I was there for probably like three weeks, so I had to stuff $1,000 in cash <laughs> into my locker at the Home Depot. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like I... Wedged in and locked it down. I'm looking around. I'm like, I wonder if anybody saw that. <laughs> and uh, But it's funny because I think that comedy contests are like the stupidest thing. Um, it's just a stupid. I, just, I don't participate in them. And they just really are. Tough. But the thing is, is, what I always think is funny is like, you know, I tell people all the time, comedy contests are bullshit. They're bullshit when you lose. And more importantly, they're bullshit when you win.
0: I I I would agree with that. Somebody told me once before I did any contest or anything, uh, it's not about winning or losing. It's about how you act when you lose and how you act when you win. And I always took that like it's not about who's the funniest or whatever. But uh, and and I think with that in the back of my head, it's kind of helped because I've done a couple contests, and the best things that have come out of them are the relationships, the contacts and letting different clubs see who I am. So a lot of opportunities have come from that. But the, yeah. the actual contest itself, that part, I think, is well, a little Well, I like always, like, when people
1: brag about it, when they're like, well, I won, you know, I won Arizona's funniest day comedian yeah. with a day job. Yeah. You know, like, okay. Who won it the year before you did? Well, he did. Are you as funny as, no, he sucks. Right. But if you are going to hold yourself to that standard then you were as good as everybody else that won you that contest, the, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to take it's good. It's good. You won a contest. You got a little bit of money. You got a spot somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's cool, but that's all it was. Yeah. And it's something you can put on your credits, which is awesome. Yeah. But, you know, that's it. That's, you know, I you know. think
0: in that particular one, I think they've picked pretty good winners. Um, I've been a finalist for the last two years. but um, And would it be nice to win? Sure. But not winning, you know, I made a lot of good friends and – um, I really let that club, like, see me mm-hmm. um, and built relationships with them. So I hear you, though. It is weird. And it's psychological. And I notice you could probably track this, kind of the drama always kicks up on the Facebook groups and stuff around that time. Like, people, mm-hmm. when there's something big going on, like, people get that, like, anxiety or something kicks in. And it's just, it's like a full moon or something.
1: And, I mean, I always, like, I, I mean, I check myself about getting shitty about it. Yeah. Like, you know. Like, I've always done... I was talking to Royer the other day. We were talking about some comedy contest. I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to get a contest together where everybody has to do an hour.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, okay, motherfucker, who, who's <laughs> funny? We're going to do an hour, and we're just going to watch the flies drop. <laughs> it's I'm the like, Iron yeah, Man. Come on, one hour is what we're going to do right here, and we're going <laughs> to see whose hour is better, yours or mine, my hour of actual comedy or your thirty-five minutes of comedy and twenty-five minutes of crowd work. Let's do this. Dang. And that, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, that'd be funny, but it'd take forever." <laughs> like that's not the point.
0: It'd just be like two a night.
1: We're just gonna do this for twelve
0: months. Shitty.
1: Yeah, we're. I'm just gonna do shitty, and I'm gonna be like,
0: "Yeah." Each comic has to bring thirty-five people. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah, find thirty-five people that want to watch you. Oh my so gosh. So it's yeah. So but anyways, that was it. Was fun and it was nice and. Um, and I made the same thing. I made great friends out of it. But that's always my favorite comedy memory is walking oh, around with $1,000 cash, going back oh, to work. Great. And like, yeah, this is really nothing. It's going to be cool at Disneyland. But.
0: The contrast the contrast is, is sad. And I felt that way before. Like, um, like, oh, wow, I just felt so good. And everybody was just hugging me and telling me how good I am. And then I go home and I'm by myself. And I'm like, "Why? What happened? So yeah. I don't know. It's weird. You want to play a quick game?
1: Sure. All
0: right. This is my game I created. Well, I didn't create it. I stole. Uh, it's basically a Mary fucker kill game, but in mm. the...
1: In I love Mary fuck, kill. <laughs>
0: you told me that you used to kind of play this on Facebook a little bit.
1: hmm Yeah. How did you do that? I would, uh, anytime, I would. I started, I quit because uh, a friend of mine's feelings got really hurt. <laughs> and I won't say who she is. <laughs> Pretty sure you know her. Um, but uh, but she got but every time I would see a, a picture of three female comics now usually it would be like it would be three female comics and they'd have their arms around each other yeah. and they're like you know got to hang out with these amazing ladies last night fuck you so great <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like a really positive picture. It's like these are my best friends. I love these girls. Love these they, ladies. They make everything great. You have and the then, worst
0: smile on your face, like you're being.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I would grab that picture and I'd be like, "Male comics, marry, fuck, kill, go. Like, don't be pussies." Oh, Say would it. you
0: do it privately?
1: No, I would it throw it, ri- it on. Okay, yeah. wait.
0: Side game, real quick, because I'm picturing a picture I posted recently of myself. Carolyn Gallagher and Lee Halk, three of my favorite ladies. Really quick, MFK, those three.
1: I don't. I have. This isn't fair. Oh. And I'll. No, I'll tell you why. I'm gonna. I'm. I'll do it. I'll say it. But I'm just gonna this tell you it's fair. not really fair because I don't really know. Uh, I don't know uh, Lee very well.
0: That's okay. Um, you don't know the celebrities so, And then I kind of know
1: Carolyn. Yeah, but I know them from their roles. Like, I know how they would be in real life because I've seen them in a movie. That, and they've talked to, uh, they've talked to like, Jay Leno or whatever. So you, I know them as people. If you don't want
0: to, you don't have to do that. No, this. I'll do
1: it. Okay. Um, I would, oh, let's see here. Oh, I'm going I'm I'm to say, oh, go I'm going to say, uh, I'd go, uh, I would go, you, um, uh, fuck you. Uh, Mary Carolyn, and then I would kill Lee just because I don't know her very well. You
0: should kill Lee anyway, because she's awful. Yeah. No, just kidding. Thank you for that. I never... Uh, I always get killed, so... Um, all right. Celebrity edition. This is going to be dry rub, smoke, or fry. Okay. Dry rub is Mary, because that's probably what marriage is like, like a lot of dry rub. Yeah. 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 Uh, fry is fuck, because fried food is just so good, mm-hmm. and then... Um, Smoke is kill. Okay? okay, so I'm gonna give you J Lo, mm-hmm. Betty White, mm. and Gal Gadot. Oh.
1: So this is why this is a terrible position because I love, <laughs> I love Betty White. Yeah. Okay, and she's probably the woman that I wouldn't want to want to marry because she's the baddest bitch in the whole world. Um, but I don't want to pass up the chance of banging either Gal Gadot. Or Jennifer Lopez, because uh, both of them are way. I have like Gal Gadot was Wonder Woman. Now I'm a nerd, and then I've I've loved J.Lo for 20 plus years. now. Yeah. So because she's so close to dying, I'm gonna have to say uh, I would uh, I would fuck. Uh, well, let's what is it? So I would dry, uh, I would dry rub uh, I dry rub J Lo, I would fry Gal Gadot, and then I would smoke. Betty White. Like but a, I'm sorry, Betty. Like
0: a mercy smoke? <laughs> yeah,
1: just like, come her. on, let let's just do it. You've had a great run. You're funnier than shit. You're awesome.
0: You y- would marry J-Lo?
1: Yeah, probably. Well, y- no. Yes. No. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I would marry J-Lo. I would marry J-Lo because she's, I'm an ass man. And, <laughs> yeah, and she's back and more of an ass than Gal is, but.
0: Well, this isn't the first time, like, uh, people really have strong feelings about J-Lo and, and Gal Gadot. Is it Godot or Godot?
1: Godot. I think it's Godot. I think I'm pretty sure. She's Israeli. Yeah. Which, that's the other thing, is I I, um, I had a customer that used to, to Israeli one, an Israeli accent is one of of the hottest accents out there, and there, when you get to talking to Israelis, they're insane. (laughs) Like, the things that this would come out of, she was an interior designer, and I'd sell paint to her, and the things that would come out of her mouth were just crazy.
0: I sell Munich.
1: Yeah, she was just like, she was just like, she would tell me, she would be like, you know, all of these gay marriage things, She's like, it's fine, it's whatever, but we're going to be marrying dogs soon, it's going to <laughs> oh, corrupt our entire culture, like, we can't do this, I'm like, oh my god, you are so beautiful and you're saying such stupid things, I'm so turned on right now, because you are so detached from reality, yeah. and she's just like, you know, she's like, I'm fine with lobbing missiles into Palestine, I mean, we need to get rid of these people, they're crazy. You can't reason with them. We just have to get rid of them. I'm like, "Oh, wow, this is turning me on so much. <laughs> it's like you're a Nazi, but you're not. You're just the people that suffered from genocide
0: right? and you're talking about doing it to other people. This is great." So, Oh, that's funny. Every Israeli or person from Israel I've met, I mean, they have these like blue eyes and like olive skin and these dark eyebrows and they're just so handsome and like even the women, they're very handsome.
1: Yeah. Shit. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. Well kind of good
0: crazy. stuff, James Owen Chate.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Did
0: you? Yeah. You just saying that? No. Did you like the wings?
1: I did like the wings.
0: Good. Good, good, good. Well, thank you so much for being here. I think we can wrap up at this time because it's yeah. Sunday and uh you've got like things to do. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta hit
1: the bricks. But this was fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah. But the only thing is, is that you're going to have like a bunch of other people. So the next time I come back, I'm going to have to eat like a shitty kind of wing because they will have picked all the good Mm. ones by then.
0: Well, I've decided to just let people pick their own wing. And lately, I have a lot of just buffalo and I'm like, can you just pick something a little unique? Please. So
1: was I kind of unique?
0: Yeah, that was perfect. Okay, it's cool. something different. Um, when we were doing this at Big Pine, like the Marley's only has like four or five flavors, so mm-hmm. we were kind of doing the same ones, but it's fine. You know, it works. Like it starts with wings and it goes from there.
1: Well, I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that I got to know you a little better. Me I too. Hope that, uh, that's
0: like my, that's the secret like reason too, yeah. is like I'm getting to know people and tricking guys into eating wings with me.
1: Well, now you ha- you'll have like a whole bunch of other stuff that you can ask now the next time. Yeah. We'll oh, we're fun.
0: friends now. You can't get out of uh-uh. it. All right. Well, thanks for being here, James Hellenscheidt from the Is It Dark in Here podcast. And yeah. We'll can- be
1: on. Uh, I I know we'll be on iTunes.
0: Yeah. Nice. So
1: and SoundCloud too, I think. But check us out, please. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks for being here. You guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for being here. I said thanks for being here like a hundred times. So maybe I should say it five more times. Oh, I hate myself. Okay. Bye.